a Podcast One production. The truth about starting a business, crafting a career, having a family and managing to fit it all in. Superwomen We Ain't. From the founder of Boost Juice, Janine Ellis, and leading executive and career coach, Margie Hartley. Hi, and welcome to season two of Superwomen We Ain't. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach, and I'm here with the gorgeous Janine Ellis. Hi, Margie. I am, as you just said, I'm Janine Ellis, and I'm the founder of Boost Juice Bars and Shark on Shark Tank. And it's really, really good to hang out with you again. Oh, great. I'm happy to be here too. And it's been a little while since we did season one, and we've received some wonderful feedback. So thanks to everyone for writing in and letting us know your thoughts on the show. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when we started season one, yeah, we did it because we really wanted to take the ball out of business. And hearing the feedback of how it really resonated with people was actually really inspiring. So thank you. And we've used that feedback to create season two. Great. So let's get into it. Yep, let's go. So today in episode one, we're going to talk about getting your message right and how essential that is uh, in the world of business, in careers, in fact, relationships and whatever you do. So getting your message right is really about three things. We're looking at why it's really important to you, how you're going to do it, and then really nailing this idea of inspiring. So getting your message right, why do you think that's been so important for people to know about? It's actually the fundamentals of everything. It's fundamentals of life. It's fundamentals of business. It's fundamentals of of basically, I can't think of anything else, but I'm sure there's another fundamental in there somewhere. (laughs) You know, people throw around, you know, what makes a great leader? And yes, they say they need to inspire, they need to, you know, treat people well and all of these long lists. But before you do all that, you need to actually truly, truly be a great communicator because you can have the best vision for the business and the best purpose in the world, but without that communication skill and without those strong communication strategies, you're going nowhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my time in business, I must admit, I think think about things that have gone pear shape and the ones that have gone pear shape have been lack of communication. What happens is if you communicate poorly, people will make it up and it'll be 10 times worse than what the reality is. So communication is really key. So I'm really, really, really keen to get into our first category of communication, which is why is getting your message right and why is it important? So I always say that the first impression you make is actually the lasting one. And there's a few sort of research papers out there and whether they're myth or not, we can debate later. But the fundamental theory is that when you're in those first 30 seconds And how you communicate and how you show up and the words you say and the enthusiasm you put behind them actually has such a lasting impression on other people that you really have to be on point early. Yeah, and what do they say? You never get a second chance to make a first impression. And that is so true. And, you know, you you need to think about that in in every form when you're you're actually going down the communication path. You know, I I love, um, I'm a bit of a fan of Simon Sinek and some of the things he says, you go, oh God, it really resonates. And some of the things he talks about is why are we in business? Why do we exist? And what is a purpose? And it's all very well to have those things, but the key thing is actually how to communicate. There's a friend of mine called Cam Barber who does vivid learning, and he has done multiple studies on how to communicate. And what I think is really fascinating, he says that humans cannot take things in big clumps. And he gives an example, which I love, is what's your phone number, right? So if you sort of think about your phone number, you don't say your 10 digits 
in a row, you break it into blah, 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 right? So we break it into clumps and that's how humans work. You know, it's all very well giving all this information, but if people aren't obtaining it and keeping it in, then you're actually wasting your time. Okay. So So in business, this idea of being able to communicate really with crisp clarity, but also to connect with people is really where you're going to get the uplift and the the things that you need. I remember in the early days when I actually didn't realise the importance of communication and I just assumed that people would just know. And I remember the I had nearly a revolt of my franchisees because they thought that there was something going on and it actually wasn't. And what and I was nearly outraged. I was like, how dare they think that I would do that? But in actual fact, I, I then looked in the mirror and went, in actual fact, how did they not know any other way? Because I hadn't communicated really effectively. So from then, I actually set up a communication strategy to make sure that we are completely in line with how we say it, what we say it, and how it's actually presented, which we'll talk about in the next section, which is, you know, how and some tips to get it right. So that confusion, when people get it wrong, the result and the impact is people really confused. You imagine, right? So we're, we're parents and so we've got kids. So yep. when that time happens, when they're supposed to be home at midnight and it's quarter past 12 or half past 12, you see them dead on the road, right? Now, if they only just gave you a call, or text, suddenly it's all good. There's no difference from not getting the call from the child and seeing them dead on the road to them doing a simple text. It's communication is key in everything we do. Yeah, and they say that the leader who whispers from the mountain makes a loud noise at the bottom in the valleys. So it's this idea of everything you say has to be really crisp and clear. Yeah, and not only that, careful what you say. What I found is I can be flippant. And so I didn't actually truly understand the position that I had in the business. I just thought I was me and we're in it together. So if I said something flippant, it actually became an absolute mountain. And so, and then I also had to learn that my voice was exactly that. It was actually a very powerful voice in the business. Example of that for me is a, a CEO of one of the major companies in Australia actually said the word vibrant leadership at a big offsite. And I got 11 phone calls from people saying, Maggie, what's vibrant leadership? Can we do a program? I really need some help. And he hadn't actually meant anything except the adjective vibrant, be vibrant, be energetic. As a leader. And everybody's out, have you got a program? Have you got a program for this? So, Did you go, no, but guess what? I'm writing one now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my business mind did tick over. But it's it's again this example of everything you say being taken literally and you have to be so clear about what your message is. Absolutely. Something I want to discuss quickly with you is what's the difference between my personal elevator pitch and messaging? Like how do we think about these differently? Every time a leader speaks, they need clear, crisp messaging. But what's an elevator pitch in your mind? Look, I don't I don't really segregate them. I don't think that there it's an elevator pitch or it's a bigger bigger pitch. For me, it is, you know, communication on every level. You know, whether you're actually gonna do it in two and a half minutes or we're gonna do it in a forty-five minute keynote. You know, it is the same thing. But plan, you know, plan, which is great, because we'll get into that in the next section. So really the summary of that section is the biggest issue that we always have in business is the clear lack of communication. And us humans, we'll make it up. So I think the key thing is understand that communication is really important and put it on top of the list. So now let's go into the hows and whys and tips of getting it right. Because 
the reality is I have got it so wrong over the past and I find that you learn more things from getting it wrong than you do from getting it but right. You're a really great communicator. You're really clear, you understand your stories and you're you're on message a lot. What do you mean you got it wrong? Well, when you're starting off, you know, you've got to remember, you know, I was a, I had never run a business before. I had never hired anyone before. So I've had to learn from getting it wrong over the journey. And so so really when you're getting it wrong, it does go pear-shaped and then you have to stop and look and go, okay, what happened there? I didn't expect that. Okay, what was it? It was my fault. The other thing I find is that, and this is a lesson I have learned, is people will tell you things. So people will come up and say, Janine, Sue, Sue Smith over there just told me this and I'm outraged and, and I go, and I used to get really angry. Oh my God, that's a terrible thing that Sue Smith over there said. That's, out, um, that's outrageous. Then I actually found that if you actually spoke to Sue Smith, there was a very different story. One of the things I learned was I never now, when someone tells me something, take it as gospel. And the reason being is nine times out of 10, there is always a second side to the story. So I always take that information in. I then communicate with the other person and get people in the same room because that's how you get the true story. And the amount of times I reacted badly on half a story... I had to learn that. Mm. So this idea of, of again of clarity, being really clear, what is it that people are saying and doing? So getting your message right. I'm really interested in how we get it right. I've got a couple of structures that I use. What do you use, Maggie? There's times that I do public speaking, and it was actually interesting. The first time I actually was asked to do public speaking, obviously you get really really nervous. You know, what what have I got to say? Is it, am I going to be boring people? And so it was really important that I actually prepared really effectively. So if you've got a really key message, preparation is really important. And there's two things you need to do, whether you've got a boardroom with a few people or friends, or you are in an auditorium with a thousand people, you have to read your room. Now, I have been to many, as you have, many events where there is a tokenistic politician, right, in the audience. And quite often they come up on stage and it's been a great night and they just talk and they talk and they are boring and you see people getting their phones out and they're still talking and I always sit there and I ponder why on earth can't they read the room why can't they see that they're boring people they've come on with their key message because they've got their political key message that's okay but make it fun I make was, it interesting yeah, I was Be- at a breakfast with a federal minister and it was he took up the entire breakfast 40 minutes talking and there was no time then for people at their tables to actually interact and it was a really big networking sort of lunch and a breakfast and it was just, it was a really big networking breakfast and it was so annoying. And my impression of that person, even though they do great work, is really poor. It stuck with me right through because they robbed me of time and they robbed me of connection to other people. Mm. So it's interesting that visceral feeling you get when someone bores you to death. Yeah, and that's right. So I don't know if any politicians are listening, can you please go and get some education on it? Because I can't remember the last time I've gone somewhere and whenever a politician gets up, you honestly feel the room going, oh my God, please don't don't be too long. And you've got to be careful that you don't get caught up in your own importance. So the reading the room, understanding what people, are there, who, who's there and what they need. 
No, absolutely. And look, it's not just politicians. I mean, we've been bored stupid by many people. But I also think, to be honest, I've been in a situation where I think I've bored people. Never. No, no, I think I have. And I think the reason being is sometimes you get caught up in your own importance. So people go, oh my God, Janine, you are, you're doing great. You're you know, this great, successful businesswoman. And I think if you start to believe your own bullshit, that's a time when you actually have to pick up the mirror again and go, okay, am I giving the audience or the people I'm talking to value? What do they want to achieve out of the discussion I want? Do they want clarity? Do they want information? Do they want to be laugh? Do they want to laugh? Do they want to be inspired? What do they want? And understand that first, then you go back to the, to what you want to talk about. So whether it's you're a politician or someone else, really truly understand your audience. Like so the academics, I, sorry, Janine, but the academics call that pre-contemplation. So you actually need to work out what the people in the room are thinking, what they're feeling and what they want to do as a result of you being in the room. Correct. And once that's your reading the room, understanding the audience. And so that's backed right through theory and practice and right through everything you're doing. Well, even I take it even a step back. So if I'm going to do a keynote or I'm actually going to do a presentation of any sort, the first thing I do is I'll send out a questionnaire. What does people want to achieve from it? Who is the audience? Because if it's a a room of business people, that's a very different talk that I'm going to give to a room of people wanting to just understand how to make their life better. So it's it's actually just being considerate of people's time. And I think that goes back to your point with the you know, politician is he wasn't considerate of people's time. It's that in schools. I've actually got a new tip, right? So this is what you can do. And if anyone's listening, you can do it, right? I've got long hair and schools are just as bad as politicians. So you go to these schools and you, your child's in year five and they start a prep, right? And seriously, it's like torture. I now get an audio book and I actually listen to my audio book while I'm waiting to get to it. Do you have your Apple earrings in? Yeah, Apple earrings or audio book, my hair's over it because it's just going, I just understand that you have no concept of communication. I'm going to sit here and actually entertain myself until my daughter comes on for three and a half seconds. It's, it's a funny story, but actually quite tragic because we think actually this is a really important bridge for communication and getting messages across. And I, I'm working with teams and individuals all the time in corporate Australia to try and help that communication bridge. I mean, there are 50,000 people in some organisations I work with, 126,000 in others. So how do you actually make sure your message is consistent and Mm. crisp? And you were talking about Sue Smith before, you know, that she doesn't take the message Chinese whispers and turn it into something else. And I do believe you're absolutely on the money, Janine, when you talk about planning what you will say and then understanding the process and the channels Mm. that you're going to use because there are so many now with technology. And then if you really aren't any good at it, please get help from a professional like your friend Cam. Mm. I think the other point is that quite often people in boardrooms or leaders, they do get caught up in thinking they're the most important person in the room. Okay, so they have the right mindset. Have the right mindset. So I, what I do now, if we are in a brainstorming meeting or in any meeting that there's a decision to be made, I go last. Because if I go first... People think it's career limiting if they disagree with me. Mm. (laughs) And quite often your voice is so powerful that it will sway the room anyway and you won't get the best outcome. You're listening to Super Women We Ain't with Margie Hartley and Janine Ellis. If you like listening to the show, please do get in touch on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button and continue to listen for free.
One of the things that I really admire about you is your ability to pivot in the moment. So you don't, you, you might have some principles at which you work to, but you're able to actually shift because you use those principles to then be able to communicate. So oh, I've got to think about my audience is your number one. What's my clar- What's my message? I know you had a couple of interesting situations where you've had to pivot at the last minute mm. when you're talking to large groups. Well, it was really early days. I think I was about two years in. And Mark Beeson, uh, who you know, started Suzanne's and Sports Girl, you know, a lovely man, he actually asked me if I could talk at a school. And so I, again, prepared properly, And I, but I thought I was talking to year fives and year sixes. That's what I thought I was talking to. So my present, whole presentation was year fives and sixes. <laughs> I got up on the podium Looked around the room. There wasn't one child in the room. Oh, hell. It was a, it was a local Jewish school and it was the top business leaders in, in Melbourne. Like there was Solomon Liu, there was Mark Beeson. I mean, the list goes on. And I stood there and the first and foremost I thought was, I have nothing to tell them. There is nothing, no information that I can give them that they could walk away and be more wiser. So I actually started like this. So I, again, my presentation went to completely out the window. But I had I, to pivot. Yeah, I had to pivot right there. So I'm standing on the podium going, shit, right? And then I said, do you know what? This room, looking around this room, you have more business experience in your little fingers than I have in my whole entire body, right? So I'm not here to tell you about business or tell you how to be successful because I'm the least successful person here. But what I'm going to do is tell you my story. And so I then went on and just told them my story. But it's it's actually instead of going, oh, my God, no, I've prepared for this, here I go, then, you know, then you're stuck. The, the next one was I was doing, I was on a panel and I was told, you know, the girl told me that my, my subject matter was, um, you know, leadership, right? And then they changed everything and suddenly I was on a different panel with different people with different subject matter. So I, I went up on the stage and I went... Okay, audience, you might be thinking that here's Janine Alice sitting in this chair and she's going to impart wisdom about, you know, communication, let's say it was communication. Uh, And um, what I'm doing is I'm sitting here thinking, fuck. And the reason I'm thinking that is I'm not prepared for this panel. I'm sitting here going, I've prepared for a completely different subject matter. However, I now know the subject matter. I've now heard the people in the panel. Let me give you my view. So I think what people lack is that transparency and human element. People want to see the human element. You know, none of us are perfect. So I the think courage it, to be able to name or name the game or call what's call going it. on and being really honest about what you do know and you don't know. Correct. That's what I really like about those two stories. It's really being clear about what you do know and you don't know and not forcing the message. But you did say something I want to pick up on. Ability to tell your story well, the ability to tell your story well, storytelling. I know hundreds of people who go off on storytelling workshops always fascinates me. What's your view of telling your story well? I think what it is, it's being authentic and also being real. Because what what we do, and women can be worse at it, and women and men can be just as bad, is we go into the room and go, oh, they expect me to be something, so I better be that person. It's easier just to be you. I remember I was in a board meeting and this American, look, I, my best friend's American, but my God, sometimes they like to hear their, their, their own voice, right? And I was in a meeting and this guy was coming onto the board as a trial and he just didn't listen. He just 
gave verbal diarrhea to a point where everyone's polite, right? So everyone's, and I just in the end, I just put my hand up as a stop sign and said, would you just shush? And he was mortified that someone would tell him to shush. But he said, oh, my wife tells me that all the time. I said, maybe you should listen to her. I said, there is so much information at this table that you're not getting and not taking in. You're just giving rhetoric. So when you're telling a story, do you actually um, go back and write it down first? Do you actually make sure you're understanding which parts of the story are relevant to the audience? How do you plan and tell a good story. Everyone has their strengths and weaknesses and I think you need to lean towards your strengths. Mine isn't one that can actually tell a story off the cuff. Yeah, my mother and son, they are amazing storytellers, so I need more structure. Now, I'm not necessarily a fan of, you know, the the PowerPoint presentations, but I use it in my presentation to keep me on track so I don't go off on tangents. And so I have my set stories which I know the audience in the past, it's resonated with them. So I stick with those and I use my PowerPoint to keep me on track. Do you plan the story, you know, at the length, the depth and facts, what you're putting in it, or is it just about keeping it relevant? I think it's just keeping it relevant. And also, again, reading the room, you know, you're looking at the room and going, okay, yep, they're understanding that. Actually talking about reading the room, and then I'd like to, I'd love to hear about how you do it, because I know you've got some great structures. You've got to be careful when you're actually in a situation where you are telling stories that you don't actually get that little person on your shoulder saying, you're boring, that guy slept sleep over there. Oh, someone's just walked out. And look, that person probably had a late night. That person needed the toilet. But quite often you can actually muck yourself up by talking yourself out of it. And then that's when the nerves come in. So that's my, that's what I've learned. But I know you've got more of a structure. So what have you learned? Yeah, I've helped my clients with structures for storytelling. But I say to them, if you're not good storyteller, actually make sure you've got a structure and you practice beforehand. Some people are natural storytellers, as you said. So the structure that I talk about is really a very simple one. It's quite universal. You create a headline. What is this talk about? What am I going to share, even in a conversation? What is the end point I'd like to get to? So what do I want the person or the people in the room to feel, think and do? And then, like you, divide it into three or four really clear sections or subheadings. Mm. So it might be past, present, future. It might be uh, whatever else. And then within each of those sections, we look at what the facts are, what the theory might be, really having very clear delineation around some numbers or some example, and then some examples and some analogies and some stories that illustrate the point. So it's relevant to the first section and then the link. How does that then link to the next part that we're talking about? So you can do that very quickly on a back of a piece of paper or you can, you know, do it in your head really. And it's a very, very good way of actually sifting out like wringing a sponge out of all of the unnecessary water in your speech or your talk that you're going to plan. So just really keeping it crisp. All my clients know I say, keep it, be crisp, give great clarity and connect with your audience and be really relatable. So that's where the stories are for me. They have to actually make it relatable, just like in good comedy. Talking about relatable, the other thing that I think is a really important rule that people should follow is don't tell Okay, tell tell me about not telling. So if I say to you, Margie, don't do this, or I say to you, Margie, from my experience, 
this is a story I'm telling. If you tell people not to do something, so you must have a communication strategy and you need to do this and you you need to make sure that you um, communicate properly, it's, it's telling people. And I think that what happens with people is immediately if you tell them, they immediately go, oh, don't tell me what to do. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I do. But if you in, instead go, from my experience, when I had was in front of a team and I actually was shoving my opinion down their throat. This is the reaction they had. So instead of saying, don't shove your opinion down your throat, if you say it a different way from my experience or what I have learned, allow people to take out the information they want. Don't shove it down their throat. Yeah. So all the psychology will tell us if you tell people what to do, you take away their autonomy and their choice, and they're more likely to stay in the same zone that they're in the current state. And if you tell them why they should do something, they're actually going to be really defensive and tend to be justifying their current position. So you're not stimulating their potential. So I really like this idea of actually telling a story, not preaching, telling a story that might stimulate someone to change the way they do something, make it relatable, and then allow them to move forward with their change or whatever it might be that's useful. Many people say to me when they're asking me to speak for them, they go, we want these messages. And I I say to them, you can't tell and dictate what people take out of the keynote or any information you give them. You know, different people are in different parts of their lives. You know, some people might want to be just starting a business. They take that information out of it. And some people may have just broken up with their boyfriend, right? So they might take something else. So you can't tell people what to take out of your keynote. Just give them the information and let them go. Yeah, it's so true. And it's so, how do you inspire people? Well, you don't do it by telling them what to do. You do it by actually illustrating, relating through storytelling and others. So I, I like this idea of, you know, we stop boring people. We need to be relevant and relatable. Inspiration is absolutely key on great communication and getting your message right. Look, it is, but you can't inspire I know that's a weird thing to say, but you can't go out and say, I'm going to give an inspirational keynote speaking. In actual fact, Margie, my view on on inspiration is that don't go out to inspire. I know that's exactly different to what we've been talking about, but when I actually do a keynote, I don't go out and go, I have an inspirational talk, right? I'm just telling my story. If they find it inspirational, great. If they don't, great. But so it's not that you shouldn't go out and going. I'm inspirational, just go out and be you and let them be inspired. Okay, so it's if you're inspirational, does it become a bit telly and preachy, do you think? Correct. Okay, so the intention is I hope to inspire. I'm going to bring my audience along in a relatable story with a couple of key points that they can take away. But actually this idea of telling a good story, listening, building relatable stories to people, that will be the thing that inspires Correct. Them. That's right. So don't go out and say, I'm going to be. Okay. Just be you. I go back to what we we spoke about earlier, which was being authentic. Yeah. If you're authentic, if you tell a great story, if you've got a good story to tell, the inspiration will come. Trust yourself being in front of the audience, but plan. I'm going to be the big, you know, I'm always like this. I said, everyone, plan, 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 plan. Use a structure because it actually helps you get out of no, things. Absolutely. And look, to summarise what we've been speaking about, for me, it's a very, very strong communication strategy, which is what you said. It's plan, plan, plan. Make the commitment to never bore someone again. Like if you're going to do a keynote or if you're going to actually speak to anyone be respectful for the people you're actually talking to. Don't bore them. And finally, don't lecture. 
just inform. Mm. Fantastic, Janine. I always say too, the idea of inspiration, think of what inspires you and then take your motivation from there. In our next episode, we'll be talking about being busy. Is it good or bad? And are we addicted to this idea of being busy? Superwomen We Ain't is a Podcast One production recorded in the studios of Podcast One Melbourne. Executive producer is Grant Tothill. Producer is Dave Zwolenski. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.